0: Welcome, Seekers of Truth, coming to you from the edge of the known universe, better known as the Granite State, home of Betty and Barney Hill. Through the magic of electronic alchemy, a portal to another dimension has opened. You are about to make a metaphysical connection. This is the Metaphysical Connection, episode 76. In this special episode, we present a special interview with Lucky 13's Michelle Desenmore to talk about the mind-body connection with nutrition and also the dangers of processed foods and GMOs. This is a follow-up and a companion interview to our earlier episode, 74, monsanto Manaja pod from february 24th 2018 you can find out more about michelle by going to her website lucky13fitness.com thanks for listening enjoy the show
1: <laughs> all right um well my name is michelle densmore i am the founder and co-owner of lucky 13 fitness we are a boutique training studio in Burlington, and I have the lovely pleasure of um, having you and your wife, Carol, as members at our studio, and you guys definitely win the award for Furthest Traveled Members, and you guys are awesome for that. Um, and I am super excited to be here um, to, to chat with you, Eric, and uh, to share sort of my feedback and my, uh, my expertise on whatever subject matter you want to throw my way, actually.
0: Okay. Uh, so right off the bat, Walt Schnabel and I, my fellow co-host for the Metaphysical Connection, we are doing a series of podcasts on the topic of nutrition and okay. specifically uh, GMOs and what's right, but what's wrong with our food right now. Okay. And you you talk a lot about eating right, eating as all natural food, as natural as you can get. A lot of people are going to ask... define natural. I mean, I I thought Doritos was on like, you know, the, the, the food, one of the food groups, but (laughs) what, what is, what is natural food?
1: It's a, it's a really, really good question. Um, the word specifically natural has received some press recently, uh, maybe not so mainstream, but in the nutrition world about sort of being misleading. Um, I think when, the general public started to realize maybe we need to eat better. Um, after the low-fat, you know, low-calorie craze of the, of the 80s and 90s, we wanted to move toward these natural foods. Well, what does that mean? Um, I think that there is a very wide catch net on what that means, and the word is actually not regulated when it is put on labels. So we as consumers, unfortunately, have been misled once again to potentially buy things that are not healthful but are labeled natural. Um, And the the example that I always give to people is cocaine is a natural substance. It comes (laughs) from something that's grown in the earth. Yes. I don't know that we would all consider that to be a health food, right? Depends on who you talk to. Um, So a lot of the times we're seeing on labels of food and, you know, coincidentally the food that is packaged in a box or a bag or a can that, that has room for advertising is probably not as healthy as something that doesn't have any packaging like your fresh fruits and produce. Um, those foods like veggie potato chips and you know other type of snacky foods are labeled as natural where there's no regulation or actual definition as to, to what the heck that means. So I can't give you a specific definition of what the food industry in general labels as quote unquote natural. Um, and I think that's a, that's a real problem right now because I do think there's an awareness and a desire to eat more healthfully and the consumer is looking for a little bit of help there. But I think we're getting completely duped when it comes to looking to buy natural or more healthy items.
0: I think that a lot of problems that we had when we were trying to figure out how do we actually get healthy, mm-hmm. we sort of discovered that everything or... Most of what you find that's going to be actually healthy for you is along the outside of the supermarket Which is kind of like considered the 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 circle of life as it were Especially around the produce aisle and it's like as you go around It's like you have the produce aisle and then you have like the 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 fresh raw fish and 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 the the meat uh, you know some of the raw meat as it were is like it's it, it's uncooked it's un, it's it's just yep. it's literally raw mm-hmm. and then you get when but when you get to the kind of like the dairy aisle or the dairy section of the circle Life, you got you also have to be really careful especially like i said with dairy products mm-hmm. what's what's the story with dairy these days
1: this is a good question, and um, you know, you're, you're talking about shopping the the outside of the grocery store and the circle of life. I like that term. I, I tell people all the time, shop the perimeter um, if you want to try and do the best you can with food, um, and that generally is a good rule of thumb. But you you raise a good point in that in that dairy section, you are going to see kind of a mixed bag. Um, and people ask me all the time, is dairy good? Is bad? Is dairy bad? Um, my opinion is that there's no food, and when I say food, I mean, I mean something that has either lived on the ground or in the sea or is grown on a tree or, you know, however you want to describe it. Not something that's man-made in a, in a lab, but real food. There's no food that's all good or all bad, and I include dairy in that category. Um, when I guide my clients to make some food decisions, I generally start... With steering them away from dairy. And that is because dairy is a food group that we find can have some negative effects on folks and they may not even realize it. So for example, people might have slight GI discomfort with dairy. People might have um, uh, throat issues. People might have, um, you know, skin breakouts that are cleared up by omitting dairy. And so because it it happens to a large amount of people, we like to try and test removing that group from a person's dietary intake and seeing what they notice. How do they feel? Do they feel good? You know, what happens? Then let's slowly introduce some dairy products back in and see what changes they notice. So it's kind of like understanding where your body is at baseline. And then when you add dairy back in and don't make any other changes, What happens? And the answer is, for everybody, it's going to be different. For some people, they're going to have some negative consequences that they're really not going to enjoy, and they may choose to not consume dairy or not all types of dairy. For other folks, they're going to say, yeah, I'm fine, no problem. And in that case, dairy is a good food for that person, and they can choose the more healthful types of dairy and in the right quantities. Um, So that's my overall belief on dairy. Not all good or all bad for everybody. It's a very subjective thing. Now, to get back to your point about shopping the perimeter of the store, when you get to that dairy section, you're going to see all sorts of things. And some of them are not what we want to track toward. We want to track toward the full fat, as close to the source as possible, dairy, as opposed to the completely fat-free, um, milks, the skim milks, or the yogurt that has all the fruit and berries and added sugar added into it. That can really be disguised into, hey, this is a health food, where if you look at that label, that yogurt with the fruit in the bottom might have more sugar than a candy bar.
0: And you've said that quite often. That's, that's like a, a huge red flag for a lot of folks yeah. out there who seem to think that... The label says it's all natural or it's yeah. it's all healthy, and when you look at it, um, some of the the Greek yogurt that I used to eat a lot of with the with the fruit in the center, it has more sugar in it than say a Reese's. And I'm not saying go out and have a whole bunch of Reese's peanut butter cups instead of like a yogurt, but right. the, but the it, it it boggles the mind when I look at the back of the labels. And I really didn't do this until like maybe a year and a half ago. And it it was um, like high fructose corn syrup is in everything. It sure is. It sure is. Now, you're you're a health expert. I think you're a dietary expert. Um, And we haven't even got to GMOs yet. What is it with um, high fructose corn syrup? And why is it in everything?
1: It, yeah, you find it everywhere. And I think that people are starting to become more and more aware of that now, thankfully. Um, the the label to what you were just speaking of on, on Greek yogurt, I think a lot of people still are in the mindset that we were, you know, we had the idea drilled into our heads, I think, in the, in the early 90s. Fat is bad. We went on this huge, um, you know, Government-supported and you know entire nationwide um, effort to remove fat from our diet. Fat is bad. Fat is bad. So we started having all these fat-free, reduced-fat items. Well, what a lot of people don't realize is that when you remove fat from something, specifically dairy, what you do is add sugar. So if you look at a full-fat yogurt, um, Greek yogurt, you're going to see a higher amount of fat and a much lower amount of sugar. And then if you look in turn on the label of the fat-free or the zero percent, you know, a Greek yogurt, you're gonna see that it has zero percent fat, but that sugar number is gonna be somewhere in the 20s. And they're simply adding more and more lactose, which is a form of sugar, to that yogurt. Because when you remove the fat, you have to reconstitute it somehow. And so they're adding sugar. So sugar really is the culprit these days. And um, I think people are starting to understand that more, but that's where you can get into trouble with some dairy is it's good for its protein content. It's good for its fat content for the people that, you know, do well with it. What it's not good in is when you have those dairy items that have a high, high amount of sugar. Um, and sugar comes in many forms, which leads to the high fructose corn syrup. Um, high fructose corn syrup is a an artificial, chemically human-made sweetener that quite simply is cheap to make because it comes out of corn. You know, I, the farmers in this country, we have this lovely idea that farmers grow chickens to lay eggs and they grow cattle for, you know, for milk and maybe for, for meat products. But many, many farmers in this country grow corn and soybean. And that's a huge industry. And that corn is used for a variety of different things. But, you know, one thing that you do with corn is you make high fructose corn syrup. And it is a cheaper man-made artificial sweetener that Has all the you know, the deleterious effects of actual cane sugar and Then some because it does contain the chemically, you know Processed stuff that you know that it takes to make that rather than just simple cane sugar
0: now We're getting into the territory of genetically modified foods and we all know that what we're when we're talking about genetically modified, we're, we're actually messing with the genome or the DNA uh, of a, an, an organism by taking gna DNA, yeah, gna <coughs> D- DNA from some <coughs> something else mm-hmm. and injecting it into this other organism. Like for example, they've discovered a way to make. Um, just trees, elms, oak, whatever. I'm not sure whatever it is to bioluminesce, like deep sea creatures, like jellyfish.
1: Yes, That's,
0: yeah. It sounds amazing. It sounds like something out of Avatar. Yeah, <laughs> but the thing is, like a is movie,
1: that, exactly. But the but, thing, but it is real life. <laughs>
0: but the thing is, is that okay? But what else are they creating? And then we just read something about they just created a a a, a sheep human hybrid. Um, mm-hmm. which which is which is going to be great for for the uh you know for the political parties for the sheeple to Yeah, vote, right, to vote, right. you know, but it's cuz exactly. what else are they creating in the lab? What yeah. for you and from your perspective what is GMO and what is what's so bad about GMOs?
1: Uh GMOs are <clears throat> as you indicated they're they're everywhere. You know, we might not think of them as anything beyond the food realm, but they like you said, they're everywhere they' they're they're creating and 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 making modified things. they're they're you know recreating the genome of things and and modifying them. And you know on the whole, I, I think that GMOs are they're a very slippery slope. Um, GMOs are responsible for varieties of different foods that we benefit from and enjoy seedless watermelon being one of them and the watermelons by their own nature have seeds in them but we have genetically modified the watermelon to come out with a seedless watermelon seedless grapes the same idea so a lot of people would say hey if that's a gmo i'm on board i, I like that i don't want to, have to spit the seeds out of my watermelon i want to be able to give my kids grapes without them worrying about choking on the seeds and that's some of the most benign examples of a gmo but as i as i referenced It's a slippery slope because then we start to get into, you know, really messing with what is made by nature, which in my belief is always the best way to go. You know, I I am reluctant to use the word natural because of what we spoke about just a moment ago. But I do believe in eating as close to the source as possible and as close to how nature has made something as possible. And I really believe that that is the most most healthful way to eat. So when you in start introducing laboratories that genetically modify things, you know it, it's a very slippery slope because where do they where do they end and where does this go and what long term effects do we have as a human race from these? We don't know the answers to that yet, and I shudder to think what some of the the worst ones may be. Um, there's currently a, a legislative battle around labeling. GMO items rather than labeling non-GMO items. And my thought is, if you've genetically modified it and you still believe in your product, then why do you care about labeling it? Put the label on there. Let the consumer decide whether they want to buy something that's genetically modified or not. And if they care, then that's their choice. If they don't care, they'll continue to buy your product. Um, it's I, I referenced uh, corn and, and soybeans a moment ago. And that's where a lot of the genetic modification is coming. The, the company Monsanto yeah. has received a lot of negative press around developing um, genetically modified soybeans that are resistant to certain pesticides so that farmers are able to spray these pesticides, which, by the way, are you know complete chemical messes. And these things, in and of themselves, the pesticides alone can can do and wreak havoc on the human race. But now we're spraying the pesticides and having a a resistant plant. And you know what are we doing to the soybean in turn? Are we are we messing up its nutritional profile? How how are we messing with the whole natural chain when we genetically modify something? That's not an answer that we can give completely now, but. The, the prospect of what that answer could be is what scares me enough to, to really not be on board with the, with the whole idea.
0: I think that what really sort of concerns me is is that uh, um, a couple of years ago, there was a, a scientist, Don Huber, who sent this letter to the FDA or the US FDA, and had said, hey, listen, we've discovered this strange pathogen. It's some kind of an organism. We're not really sure what it is. We're not sure if it's a if it's a if it's if it's fungal, if it's bacteria, whether or not it's it's something, and it's it's behaving in a way that we find really sort of disturbing, and it's Mm -hmm. and it was created in part of the chemical process, the chemical the processes used by Monsanto to bioengineer something. And it was like the implication was we may have accidentally created this organism from scratch um, in a petri dish and and it's wrecking havoc on other people's immune systems. Um, Yeah, it's a protein based structure of some kind and it's causing people to have these really strange um, reactions uh, in Mm -hmm. in the stomach. Mm-hmm. and what what do you, what did you think about that when you first heard that? and what do you think that's all about?
1: I mean, I, I feel like that's you know you're you're watching some kind of sci-fi movie. And it's to me, it's very scary because you know that's just one example of how GMOs have been used to, you know we make a GMO, like I said, with the soybean plant, and then we have to genetically modify something else to correct a side effect of that GMO. And, you know, maybe they created this thing in a Petri dish to have some positive effect on something else. But now they've created this potentially destructive man or human made thing, this entity that is causing illness. So now how do we then study this thing? And we're going to have to manufacture something else to undo the ill effects of this thing. And you can just go down that rabbit hole with trying to create something, seeing a side effect and having to create something else to, to undo that. Whereas if you took a more actual nature-centric approach, we really don't have to do that. Um, you know, if you look at nature without human involvement, it, it runs on its own. And it has for a long time before we were around. So <clears throat> whether that's the process of, you know, um, the, the life cycle and, you know, birth and dying, or the process of survival of the fittest, or whatever you want to say. It's nature has its way of of taking care of things. And I think the more that we as humans step in and try to alter or extend that, we're really doing ourselves a huge disservice because we don't know how things are going to be three steps down the line from what we're creating. you know? and And the story you just referenced, like I said, it made me feel like I was in some kind of sci-fi uh, movie because, you're creating something that it's like God only knows what the what the capabilities of this thing are we don't know and we're the ones that made it so that's to me that's pretty scary
0: that is really sort of kind of like um, you know Mary Shelley is probably spinning in her grave saying I told you so I told you Uh so." that's the kind of thing but um, I want to talk about the the other end of the spectrum whereas you had issued us a couple of challenges over. I think it's been a year and a half now that I've been a member of Lucky Thirteen. I so.
1: think so. You followed not too long after your after your wife joined us, and yeah, I think that's about right. So time flies when you're having fun. I know.
0: And, <laughs> I, because here's the here's the thing. In the beginning, all I wanted to do was just be supportive of my wife. I oh, that's right. it. I just because the thing I do not want to make it harder for my wife to lose weight i don't want her to have to prepare two meals or if it's my turn that night i don't want to prepare two meals one for her that is lucky 13 approved and one for the rest of the family which is the modern family meal with the frankenfoods and the grease and all all like that so i said i'm going to do whatever carol eats i'll eat and then next thing you know i start shedding pounds like crazy (laughs) yeah. <laughs> I'm not doing anything different. I'm not doing yep. anything except for whatever Carol eats, I eat right cutting. And we cut out a whole bunch of uh, other, other things and we watch where we go to eat. Um, and we have a couple of restaurants that we like to go to that do exactly what you say. Keep it as close to nature as possible.
1: Exactly.
0: Um, and then you issued this other challenge Which is almost finished, and this is another example of me just doing what Carol does. We've Mm -hmm. eliminated all of it's like the the eat clean diet, I think the eat clean. Oh, the
1: 42 day clean and lean challenge. Yep,
0: so um, we got rid of all the all the um artificial colors, flavors, Mm -hmm. artificial sugar, sugar in and of itself. Yep, just eating just fruits and vegetables that we buy in the produce section and now my stomach's flat (laughs) i no longer i actually am developing six-pack abs Yep. now yeah now this is this is for me i'm not on any i don't think it's a special diet i'm not i'm not eating um uh, an orange slice and three grape, um, grape nuts. Right. Um, it, I'm not on a supermodel diet, but I'm yeah. seeing results like it's insane. And yeah, the workouts with Marcus, um, cause we, we do the semi private training. It's just Marcus and four of us at max yep. and the, the workouts are going by faster. They're mm-hmm. more intense. I feel better. I am able to recover from them faster a lot of it has to do with the diet. You got that right. What you got? You hit the nail right on the head. I want to ask you what what is going on <laughs> uh, from your scientific? Not you, well. so well Yeah, your scientific or your professional opinion. We cut out all these things, and I have not been this healthy since
1: 1987. That you know what I mean. I, I hand it to you, Eric. I you guys have really put forth the effort and made the changes that yield huge huge results as you just spoke about um and i i think that you guys are an example and i wish i could put you in my pocket and share your story with everybody i meet when they first walk in the door at lucky 13 because people have this idea that they have to go on some kind of like you said model starvation diet or it's going to be so boring or i don't want to go on a diet it's the it's The concept of dieting is what both frustrates me the most and motivates me the most to keep spreading my message. It frustrates me the most because it's not that way as you can now speak to. It is a robust, flavorful, full of choice and full of deliciousness way of eating. It is not eating small amounts of things that taste like cardboard and I want to help spread that message to as many people as possible because it it yields the best results of all. And I, as I mentioned before, you know nature has the way of doing the best things. And when we eat foods that come directly from nature, and you know my little rhyme to remember that is: if it grew on the ground in the ground, or in a tree, if it once roamed the land, or lived in the sea, then eat it. Mm -hmm. So things that are grown, things that you can harvest, things that could be killed, you know, animal protein, fish, things like that. These are the foods that we want to go toward. And evolutionary-wise, our bodies, when we fill our bodies with these foods, it knows exactly what to do. Oh, this is protein. Excellent. This is an easy thing to metabolize. I'm going to put it here, here, and here. I'm going to send it to the muscles so they can grow. Oh, healthy fat? Fantastic. I'm going to use these omega-3s in this purpose, and I'm going to— You know, healthy hair, skin, and nails. I'm going to keep you full because it's going to take me a long time to digest it. And oh, fantastic. These carbohydrates, which are made up of fruits and vegetables. Great. I know how to use these. Fantastic. Nuts, seeds, all these foods. Our bodies are experts at understanding what to do with it. Again, it's when we chemically and humanly in a lab produce items that I don't even want to call food that our body's like, huh? What is this Dorito? Well, I guess it's, I can get a little bit of sustenance out of it, but I'm going to store the rest as fat because I don't know what to do with it. Yeah, It makes you sluggish. It messes up your metabolism. It sends into a frenzy our body's, excuse me, natural hunger and satiety cues. So people ask me all the time about portions and snacking and really when we let ourselves get back to a, a you know a nutritional makeup that is full of those more nature filled foods our body knows when to say i'm i'm full i'm going to stop nobody overeats apples or broccoli you know but we can very easily overeat a bag of cheetos because those foods have quite literally been humanly constructed to be addictive and to make you keep eating them until you get to the end of the bag and oh by the way there's zero nutritional value so your body's like hey i'm chewing something i'm swallowing it where is the where's the nutrition where why can't i get anything from this you know quote unquote food item and it really is that easy eating as often as you can closest to the natural source closest to nature all the other things seem to fall into place you you sleep better your skin's better your bloat is gone you have better energy. You're more focused. You're less cloud-headed. Your workouts feel easier because you have more strength. You you are, you know, you're able to excel in the gym more. And and you know, if you're lifting 15 pounds this week, you're going to be 20, 25, 30 with with ease. Yeah, um, it does. Leading with the nutrition is really the key. And you you and Carol are both you know walking examples of how simple it can be and how amazing the you know the dividends can be that are paid there i think that
0: you also triggered a memory of mine or uh, or something else that i wanted to to hit upon there's something going on with the food industry that that is mimicking or parroting what happened in the tobacco industry whereas it wasn't until maybe 10 or 15 years ago that it became public knowledge that that um big tobacco was manufacturing cigarettes to actually be addictive mm-hmm. by injecting cuminin, which is a medicine that um thins the blood so it makes things easier to be absorbed into yep. the tobacco leaves so it carries more nicotine right into the system yes which gets people right. hooked and addicted and then and yep. then we find out that there are um substances that are put in fast food like um msg i i think the i think msg is sort of passe now but now there's other alternatives for it which is like you can't eat like they say you can't eat just one and if you give there's
1: a reason for that they've made it such that you can't
0: and it's and it's and it's hitting it's hitting all of our pleasure centers in our brains that are that uh, through biology or evolution or 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 intelligent design whatever it is is that we want X. we want fat we want salt we mm. want sweet because it it's it's what our body needs to function but it's also yeah. been sort of hijacked whereas one of the one of the other benefits is that i was able to get rid of one of my medications wow in the past year and i don't i i don't miss it and there's a lot of other health benefits that i it, they're too numerous to mention do you yep. th- do you think that we're going to have a paradigm shift sometime in the near future where people are going to actually re, just reject processed food or are we seeing that
1: that now? I think it's starting. And I think, as with anything, by the time <clears throat> it's really noticeable across the mainstream, it's been around for a while. There are always going to be thought leaders. There are always going to be activists. There are always going to be people who are... Um, raising awareness around any cause, and, and specifically with this one that you're speaking of, I think that ball's already in motion. I think healthcare professionals, I think allied health professionals, and people in the, the fitness and the wellness industry, we are all very well aware that if something doesn't change, we, we are, we're doomed. Um, and so from my perspective, I, I do see a lot of people who want to learn more and want to understand how they can make better healthful changes for themselves, and that gives me a lot of hope. Um, I also, from my other area of expertise and background, which is being you know, a mental health professional, being a licensed social worker, I'm keenly aware that health and socioeconomic status are inextricably linked. And you know apropos to what's in the news about the current administration trying to put together these, um, boxes of food, and I, I harvest boxes, they're calling them, um, to replace you know, current EBT cards and, and folks who are on food stamps. Now, what's in those boxes is completely the opposite of what we just have discussed our natural foods. Yeah. And I think that the people that are getting hit the hardest and where it's gonna change last, maybe not by desire but by necessity, is those who are in the lower socioeconomic statuses of this country, and that is tremendously sad. Um, unfortunately, we still live in a country where organic food is expensive, where eating healthy and eating in the way that we've discussed so far on this podcast is out of the budget for many Americans, and that must change. And I think when we look at that piece of the equation, we will see a huge shift continuing forward. We need to start talking about how to subsidize organic farms. We need to start talking about how to you know, some CSAs and some farm stands right now accept food stamps and EBT cards. If those harvest boxes get put into play, that will all go away. And so I think that that's a potential huge step backwards. And I really hope with all my heart that, you know, that the Congress votes on the right side of that and, and decides not to, to put those forward because I think it's doing people a big disservice. So it's, all, it's going to start with the people that have money and access, and I think it has already. And my hope is that we continue to keep the focus where it should be and continue to hold the right people accountable to make sure that this is accessible to as many Americans as possible. Um, Because I think knowledge is power. And once people know better, they do better. But they need to have the resources to be able to, to act on what they know as well.
0: To wrap this up. Um, because we we totally we blew through the fifteen minutes. Um, hey, th- I'm
1: ha- I could go all night if I didn't have another coaching call at five thirty. I would I'd talk to you for another hour. I mean, this stuff really interests me, and I'm passionate about it. And it's it's been my pleasure so far to. To chat with you it's very easy to talk about this stuff for a whole length of time
0: just just as a as a method of full disclosure part of the lucky 13 program is you the members get a uh a half hour coaching call every month where we talk about our progress um and and what's going on in in every month and i had said i would like to actually donate my half hour to this topic this cause and uh, you were, you were really excited about that, that idea and that notion. I think that one of the th- the, the things that I want to ask for everybody who is listening is that what exactly could people do right now to fix their diet and to fix every other aspect of their life that is, that is associated with wellness and food and exercise? What's the first thing people can do right after hearing this podcast?
1: That's a, it's a fantastic way to end the podcast to keep it fresh into people's minds. Um, you're you're asking specifically for nutrition, so I can give you something very easy, easily um, actionable step. If you're looking at your plate, you want that plate to be chock full, at least half if not more of vegetables, fresh fruits and vegetables, okay? They can be steamed, they can be roasted, they can't be broccoli covered in Velveeta, so you, know, you get my point um, half of your plate covered in vegetables. The other half focus on protein, which is, you know, for most people, animal protein. Um, and the rest of it should be, you know, a nice, good complex carbohydrate like quinoa or a sweet potato. Um, and drink plenty of water. You know, that's if if you can really follow those two things, half of your body weight in ounces per day, and make that plate look exactly as I mentioned: half of it in fruits and veggies, the other quarter in protein, and the other quarter in a, in a complex carbohydrate. That can change people's lives. It's a simple, actionable step, but it's not easy for everybody. So I think it it can be a pretty significant challenge. But that's where I would—that's what I would say. If people are going to go have their dinner after listening to this podcast, that would be my challenge to everybody out there: is to is to get your plate to look like that.
0: All right. Uh, I think that that is, that is the perfect way to end it. Um, where can, how can people get in touch with you after, after hearing this? Do you have a, a, a Twitter? Um, I do.
1: Okay. I have, people can get in touch with me in, in a variety of different ways. Um, Twitter is at Lucky13Fit. Um, people can also check out our website, which is Lucky13Fitness.com. And, um, from there, people can connect with me directly via email. Um, they can send me a message and my email address is Michelle at lucky 13 fitness.com. But if you Google lucky 13 fitness, you will find a way to get in touch with me via social media, via website or via email. Um, but yeah, those are the basic ways to get in touch with me.
0: And, and we're also going to have a, uh, a link, um, to your website on the metaphysical connection podcast. Uh, homepage. That's metaphysical. Awesome. That's metaphysicalpodcast.com, and I will have um, a, a couple different ways for people to get in touch with you. Um, I, I can't. I, I can't thank you for everything that you've done for me and my family. I'm starting to see uh, changes in in my boys, um, and all everything with Carol and I have just our lives have improved. Just, just by following your teachings and and uh, you know, paying attention to what you say, and right. with 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 the whole lucky thirteen staff. So
1: well, thank you. That you know that what you just said is exactly why I do my job. It's it's so rewarding, and to know that I'm helping to educate and inspire people to be the best version of themselves that they can be. And you know, all the credit and the applause goes to you guys because. I provide the information and the encouragement, but you guys do the work every day. It's consistency that is the golden ticket to get whatever you want. And you guys have been consistent in your pursuit of, of your, uh, your health journey. So I, I commend you and I applaud you guys. Um, and it is a continued pleasure to be able to call you members at, at, our, at our facility.
2: This has been the Metaphysical Connection podcast from the Fedora Chronicles Network. Don't forget to subscribe to this podcast via iTunes, Google Play, or Player FM. You can find our podcast via your Apple, Android, or Windows devices using those services and more. If your favorite podcast service or program doesn't feature us, let us know by shooting us an email via info at the FedoraCronicles.com. That's also a great way to get in touch with Walt, Jim, and Eric, and let us know what you think of the podcast, as well as topic suggestions for a future show. If we use your suggestion, we'll send you a t-shirt or coffee mug. Just send along your size and preference with your email. You can be a part of the metaphysical connection between shows by joining us on our social media accounts. You can find us on Facebook by going to our metaphysical connection group and following us on Twitter at Physics Laxative. Most importantly, you can support the show by hitting the Patreon button on all of our show pages, metaphysicalpodcast.com. Patreons of the show get specials such as getting the podcast a day before the rest of the audience, heads up about future episodes and other exclusives. Want some metaphysical connection swag of your own? Get your own damn metaphysical connection coffee mugs, t-shirts, keychains and barbecue aprons at our Zazzle page. My house is full of them, yours should be too. Find them at www.zazzle.com/fedora chronicles. Don't forget to check out our show sponsor, the Trinity Whip Company traditionally made kangaroo whips top quality craftsmanship in form as well as function handcrafted by blake running find his products at www.trinitywhipco.com so for walt jim and eric this is carol fisk thanking you for listening and signing off until next time keep your chin up and your bra excuse me fedora on